Hey, uh, anyway, we got some things we probably need to work on. So, uh, it's good to see you here this morning. Uh, trust that uh, uh, that you're glad to be here, and uh, you know I, I think about uh, um, various things. You know, I know uh, Brother Brian's been been down in Honduras, and uh, been a lot of discussion, I guess, over the last day or so. Uh, down at Five Mile, I was down there for their meeting uh, Friday night and yesterday morning, and had several conversations with people about, you know, being in Africa and so forth. And so, uh, just it, it causes my mind to peel back to the times that we uh, that we spent over there, and uh, caused me to think about, you know, just really how ble- how blessed we are uh, to have the the opportunity. I don't know. Uh, I I probably and I and I just say probably I if others are interested I know I've got some of your emails and probably one of the things I need to do is put together like a mail out list of emails for all of y'all that would be interested in getting something every now and then but uh, I did get a note this week from uh, from Elder Vernon Johnson about Brother Martin uh, going down into Zambia and spending over a week down in there and it just kind of chronicled his uh, his time there in in Zambia and what all he was doing and uh, folks he was baptizing while he was there and uh, you know and just uh, how tireless almost his efforts are uh, in trying to in trying to serve and the, the, not only the church he pastors but working when laboring with others so anyway uh, causes me to be saved you know we ought to be thankful that we're here I hope we are uh, that we got a nice comfortable place uh, it's uh, Brother Austin and I can testify to the fact that there's some beautiful places that you can meet both inside and outside over in uh, other countries. But you know we are blessed to have a place that we can meet here. Uh, the air, the air conditioning is here and it works and uh, uh, most of the time. And, and you know we've got we've got benches that we can sit on. We've got all the comforts that we you know basically stand in need of. So. Uh, as we come here this morning, I hope you'll pray for me during the time that we stand before you. I want to take a, uh, take a look this morning, if we can. Uh, of course, the scripture has been on my mind for several days, and just uh, want, to, want to turn over, and what I'm going to do, I think, is read uh, where I want to get to, then I'll come back and try to, try to get there, uh, if I can, uh, real quickly. Uh, in the uh, second chapter of the book of Titus, uh, it says this, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the young preacher Titus, and he had various instructions uh, for him. Uh, and we'll try to set this, and, I, and as I was telling some of the folks down at McClenney last weekend, uh, one of the things that I won't say that I've done a good job at, uh, because I've probably done a poor job uh, over, over time, uh, but that is trying to take script, make the scriptures that we're reading not only uh, apply them you know, for us here, uh, that's one thing that we need to do. But one thing else we probably ought to always try to do is try to put the scriptures in the context of what the writer was putting them in. And to do that, sometimes you've got to cover a lot of ground uh, with, with a chapter or with several chapters to try to make sure we understand what's going on, what the writer's got in mind, and, uh, and so forth as, uh, as we, we're getting to these scriptures. So it says here in Titus chapter 2, Verse 11, and we'll read down from there. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared, unto, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, 
righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope at the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise thee. Tide, uh, Paul uh, was, was writing to a young man by the name of Titus, uh, and he, as he starts this book, and I'm going to go back to chapter 1, uh, as he's writing this letter to this young preacher, uh, he identifies himself as he usually does, gives his, uh, hello, I'm Paul, writing to you, uh, you know, uh, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth. He says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Uh, so uh, we could take some things there. That was me, and I know what I did there because I bumped my leg with the uh, thing in here. So, ah, I may be learning something here. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a slow learner. What can I say? Uh, so he says, in hope of eternal life, that God which cannot lie promised before the world began. In that portion of Scripture, we, we basically have a summary of some things that God chose a people. He chose them before the foundation of the world. We can now read the first chapter of the book of Ephesians if we need confirmation for things like that uh, and read through about the first seven or eight or nine or ten verses in there. Uh, but Paul here is acknowledging that God, who cannot lie, promised something. Uh, and we know that he didn't just promise it to everybody that lives. Uh, he promised it to a people uh, of his choosing. And so as he goes on here with this, he, he says, uh, it But hath in due times manifested his word through the preaching that is committed unto me according to the com commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. Now, I think that ties some things together for us. Uh, a lot of times when we think about here in the church, uh, and I look at the, the children, the young folks. Maybe there's not as many children children as there once was, but uh, there's still a lot of young folks. Uh, when I look at the young folks around here, it's, I, I think like Paul maybe thought about Titus. He looked at all of them. Uh, he looked at, no doubt, it's Titus and Timothy and others that had been uh, working and laboring that he had left behind. He looked at them as his own children. Uh, children because, because of a common faith, but nevertheless his children. Uh, and he writes to, to Titus and tells him uh, that grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ our Savior... For this cause, for what cause, Paul? For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So Paul, obviously, when he left Tim, uh, Titus behind in Crete, had left him there for the purpose of ordaining, the, ordaining ministers in every city uh, so that the church might have uh, uh, proper... Uh, oversight, guidance, ministry to pastor and teach and those things. And I don't think, he, he, I don't think by this he meant to just go in and just or grab somebody and ordain them and so forth you know, without seeing some evidence that God had called somebody into the ministry. Uh, but he's saying, here's what I left you to do, Titus. You've got a full-time job, and part of that full-time job is going around making sure that there are ministers, uh, that there are elders being ordained, and, I, and to set things in order. Now, you say, oh boy, okay, boy, he's whipping them into shape. Let's see what he was talking about. 
He said, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, this is talking about then the ministry, he goes through some several different qualifications. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality and a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word, but as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So, Titus, part of your job is to ordain elders and to set things in order. Uh, he had given him uh, a, a list, uh, maybe if you want to call it, of uh, here's how to, how to conduct things in an orderly fashion around the church. One, you've got, to, you've got to have an elder, you've got to have ministers and so forth. You go around and ordain them, but here's your qualifications of what you look for uh, in these things. And you're both by, uh, that you may be able, and they might be able, uh, by the Word of God to teach sound doctrine and to convince the gainsayers. Now, so, so who are these gainsayers? Uh, and what, are the, what do they got to say? He says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers, especially they of the circumcision. So it sounds like uh, that uh, there were Jews there in that place uh, that were causing some of the troubles for the New Testament church. And he goes on and, and tells us then what they were saying. He says, For there, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. I think I may have skipped over that word <coughs> a minute ago. Vain talkers and deceivers. So not only were they... Uh, doing uh, vain talk or empty talk or wasted talk, uh, but they were being unruly while they were doing it. In other words, they weren't, they weren't restraining themselves, I guess, in any way by the way they conducted themselves. And then they were also deceiving people. And, and he says, especially those that are of the Jewish background, circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Wow. You can't, Paul's writing this that, uh, that there are those that are causing trouble uh, for speaking among the early church that were being unruly. They were being vain talkers. They were being deceivers. And Paul tells Timothy that these people must be stopped. But some, because, why? Because they subvert whole households, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. He said the only thing they're interested in is, is making a buck and, uh, and uh, they're going around uh, deceiving people. They're deceiving whole families, uh, teaching things that they ought not to be teaching. Now, uh, could we speculate? Yeah, we can speculate, but Paul doesn't tell us exactly here what that was. And so he didn't speculate, and I'm not going to speculate on, on things like that. We know the trouble. The church at Galatia had some problems because uh, at the Galatian church, which is not located on Crete, uh, but at the Galatian church there were people that were teaching another doctrine. And that doctrine was they were containing uh, or teaching, uh, and I think Brother Adam has covered some of this in recent times, but they were teaching, trying to put people back under a portion of the law uh, while they were also teaching the things of God's Word and trying to go around telling them, no, 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 you know, you might, you might get baptized and all this, but you've got to do this too. You've got to make sure you circumcise your children on the seventh day and, or the eighth day and so forth uh, and follow all these uh, legalistic law uh, type items. But so I don't know what the people at Crete were teaching, uh, but uh, they were subverting whole households uh, and they were teaching things they ought not to teach, Paul said, and they were doing it for money. 
uh, and he says, one of themselves, now he gives a little background about the Christians. He says, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own land, uh, even of, the, of their own, said, the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Boy, Paul was pulling the punches on that one. Uh, you know, he's, uh, okay, uh, Titus, uh, here's your mission. Uh, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like Mission Impossible. It wasn't, uh, Mr. Titus, here's your mission, and should you decide to accept it? No, Titus, what I left you here for was this. Set things in order. Set the church up. Set the churches up the way they're supposed to be set up. Ordain elders. Elders are supposed to have the following qualifications. Uh, they're supposed to know how to run their house. They're supposed to have the right kind of conduct uh, and all of these types of things. Uh, so he, he lays out those qualifications, and then he says... Though, and I have no doubt, it wasn't like Paul was telling Titus to go out and stop the mouths of people outside the church. These unruly talkers were in the church. Uh, they, were, they were in the church and they were causing uh, problems because they were teaching the wrong thing. And Paul says, here's the qualifications of the ministry. And then they're not to be teaching things that are not in accord with what I've taught you. And so if you need to, you need to stop those that are subverting whole households, that are teaching things they ought not to teach. And he says, just as a reminder to you, the Christians, we, you know you'd get in trouble for this kind of stuff today. <laughs> if you go to labeling whole groups of people, you know, with one fatal swoop, <laughs> they'll get you in trouble at work like that or, uh, or whatever else. But he, he labels the Christians. He says the Christians, even one of their own, says that they're liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Paul said, I got, I got to tell you, uh, it's not, one of their own said it, but, but I'm here to tell you it's true. Uh, th th this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Now, so he didn't say take them and run them off. He says what you do is you get on to them. And he says, why? So that they correct themselves. That they become sound in what they're teaching. And uh, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men. I think that's further confirmation of part of what they may have been teaching. That they were teaching Jewish fables instead of teaching the Word of God. Uh, and commandments of men and that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work, reprobate. Boy, I'm telling you, he's, uh, he's laying out a pretty dismal-looking case for some of the folks that Titus is having to deal with there on the island of Crete. But speak, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, in other words, Titus, you've got, you've got a lot of obstacles. You know we've got a lot of obstacles in the world we live in today? Uh, we might not be on Crete. Uh, we might be in Jasper. Uh, in fact, I guess we are in Jasper. And, you know, we're, we're in Jasper. We're in Walker County. We're in Alabama. Uh, you know, but, but the, the things confronting us on a local level, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, uh, the things that are happening today in the world around us, I'll tell you, we're confronted with a lot of things, just like, just like Titus was. Uh, we've got people, uh, you know, they profess they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, unto every good work, reprobate. But you know what he, Paul said to, to Titus? One, Titus, if they're, if they're teaching things that they shouldn't teach, rebuke them uh, so that they'll be sound faith. And then sound in faith. And you know what else you do? He says, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. 
uh, Titus, I, I don't care what everybody else is teaching, but what you do is you teach things according to God's Word, things that become sound. And by sound, I don't have any doubt that what he meant was things that you can back up with the Word of God and the witness of God. Uh, back it up with what it is. Uh, and he says, and, and here's what I want you to teach for one thing. because, And you think about it in a community like this, but it, but it hasn't changed. See, we can look back and say, well, the Christians uh, uh, were, very, uh, were very close to the Greeks, Greece. Uh, no doubt they had many false gods that had been taught there in that land and country. Maybe things that were raised up there. They had a, a cultural background that wasn't conducive maybe to, to the to the Christian line of thinking. And so uh, one of the things Paul tells Titus here to address, he says, is teach the men and the women what their jobs are uh, in the church. Well, you know what? That's the job we still got today. Uh, that, that's the job we've still got, uh, you know, whether it's me here in Jasper in the year 2011 or whether it's uh, if the church goes on for another 20 years or another 100 years and the Lord still hasn't come back yet or whether it's our brethren that were 100 years ago or 200 years ago, part of our job is to teach things that are, that are sound in teaching, uh, that can be backed up, uh, that people can look at and see the, the wisdom of it. Uh, and, and, and here's what uh, Paul told Titus. Uh, Titus, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That word doctrine simply means teaching. Uh, teach things that are sound in teaching. Uh, and he says that the aged men be sober. Uh, that word uh, no doubt uh, means serious. Uh, they were to be uh, serious about what they were doing. We are to be serious today. I don't think the Word of God tells us that we have to be so serious that we look like we're aggravated or, you know, not, we don't enjoy life and we don't have a si smile. Uh, but we are to take the things that, uh, that our responsibilities that we have, uh, training up a family, uh, being in attendance to the things of God's Word, uh, uh, being, uh, 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 being regular in our service to our, to our Lord. There are things we need to be sober about uh, and serious-minded about. And he says that the aged men be sober, grave, uh, temperate. That word temperate, of course, as I've said on several occasions, means self-controlled. Uh, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith uh, uh, and in charity and in patience. Uh, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, uh, not given to much wine, Teachers of good things. Uh, you know, uh, uh, today, uh, and it's true for both the men and the women, uh, but you know, we can teach a lot of things that aren't good. Uh, we can teach uh, by example, by, by word, uh, by whatever. Uh, we can teach things that are not, but he says, teach good things. Uh, teach things that become sound in their, in their background, and their basis. Uh, that's the aged men are to do this, the aged women are to do this, that they may teach the young women. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to say this, uh, I guess, on numerous occasions over the years, but you know, people just don't know. Uh, there's things, and, and we could go off on a whole different subject uh, that the brother talk, one of the, talked about on Friday night, and I think may have come up again on Saturday, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, because of what God has written in our hearts and our minds, we don't have to teach every man and his neighbor and every man and his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know him from the least to the greatest. They'll know him in the sense of what God has worked in their heart, okay? But that doesn't mean there's a whole lot of, there's 
there's not a whole lot of teaching that has to be done. We can't teach them to know the Lord if the God hasn't worked in their heart, okay? But once God has worked in their heart, there's a whole lot of teaching that needs to be done. And so he says um, that we may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Uh, I know Sister Joy always uh, uh, smiles, I think, when, when, we, uh, when we talk about this uh, because uh, the example that I've used, I guess, over, over the years and talk about this. You know, uh, sometimes our children, sometimes our spouses, uh, uh, you know, they, they don't act very lovable. But our, our commandment is to love your, uh, love your husband, to love your children. So you know what? Uh, the aged women are to teach the younger women there's going to be times when your husband's not very lovable. There's going to be time if you have children where your children aren't very lovable. Your job is to love them uh, and uh, and try to work try to work with them. There's times when uh, you want to just go ah, you know, <clears throat> but but what you have to do is come back to what God's word says, and <clears throat> and so He says so uh, they that they may teach the young women to be sober, love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet and chaste, uh, to know how to act. There's times when you don't, uh, everything doesn't need to be said. There's times for discretion uh, about what's going on in the home. There's times for that it's not everybody's business to know everything that's going on in the married couple's home uh, and not to come out to church and tell everybody about what just happened this week. Uh, there's time for discretion, whether it's dealing with your husband, dealing with your children, whatever it might be. He says, teach them to be discreet, to be chaste, uh, to know how to act, how to dress uh, how to conduct themselves uh, uh, out in public uh, and so forth. To be discreet, to be chaste, to be keepers at home. Uh, that's something that, uh, again, has to be taught. Uh, I understand today uh, uh, that there's all kinds of situations and conditions. And, uh, and I, I've, I've made that comment before. Uh, but, you know, uh, over time I realized that uh, in about 21 years of being here, uh, you, you make comments and you realize uh, everybody wasn't here when you made the comments the first time. Everybody wasn't listening the first time you made them. Oh, really? Yes, I know. I know y'all. I, I know y'all. Y'all were all listening, uh, but but I know that sometimes you're just thinking about other things. Uh, and it's not that you mean to, but it, it's just the way it's the way our brains work, you know. And uh, and so uh, there's times when we need to be thinking about the fact uh, that to, we're teaching them to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Uh, I think the ideal situation, the most important job uh, today uh, for a husband and a wife and for a, a mother is bringing up their children. Uh, today, if I if I had to put the number one case diagnostic on what's wrong with this on what's wrong with this country, it's the fact uh, one there's too many one parent homes, uh, and and God didn't set it up that way, uh, and because uh, it takes both, uh, it takes that it takes that uh, if the if the male is doing what he should do. Uh, he's the right kind of influence on that home. Uh, and he can be that strong voice uh, sometimes when the, when the woman, the mother, needs just that strong voice uh, and the children seem to listen and respond in a different way uh, than they do when there's, not, when there's not that in the home. It's just the way it is. I think God set it up to be that way. Uh, 
Uh, and then, there, then there's times, uh, I, I also recognize there's situations uh, where it's necessary. Sometimes people have to work and so forth outside the home. I understand that. Uh, but uh, the, if, uh, if, again, getting back to the diagnosis of what's wrong, what's, uh, the, the, the children today and, and parents don't realize bringing up that next generation is the most important thing we've got to do. Training them up, teaching them, teaching them how to be good, not, on, not only how to live morally, uh, but how to be a good, uh, a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, and so forth. All of that stuff that we, we are responsible for. And I don't have any doubt, Paul recognized that as a problem uh, there on the island of Crete. And he says, you, so one of the things you've got to teach, this is sound doctrine. Uh, you say, sound doctrine, you mean he wasn't talking about grace and election and predestination? No, the first thing you want to do is get the home straightened out. He wanted to get the homes. He wanted to get the husbands and the wives uh, doing what they should do. And then he, then he realized the next generation is, the, is one of the most important. Uh, that Then the thing that has to be done is teach that next generation. Teach them. So uh, teach, the, teach them to be discreet. Keepers at home. Obedient to their own husbands. I know sometimes people don't like that word. But again, there, there has to be a chain of command. There has to be some following of things uh, according to the word of God. I'm got to keep going here so you know as I, well, I see the clock it's it's ticking away to be discreet chase keepers at home obedient to their own husbands that the word of god be not blasphemed if we're if we're going to teach and and that's what the word of god teaches if we're going to teach that the church and i understand uh, you know whether we're, whether we're talking local congregation or whether we want to talk of the church as being the entire elect family of God, uh, which, is the, which is the triumphant church, if you want to look at it that way. We also have the local church. Uh, people years ago used to call it the militant church. I was probably, as a kid, I didn't understand that. But you know what, the, you know what they were basically saying? Uh, the militant church basically means that we're the, we're the group of folks gathered that we're, we're carrying out the fight. We're the ones in the battle. Here in this world, uh, there's a triumphant church that many of them will not ever even see the battle. Okay, of trying to trying to live a godly life, trying to live in a crazy, mixed up, disobedient world, and trying to stand against it. Uh, so we're we're the church militant uh, in a local sense. Uh, we're also the church triumphant. Okay, uh, so he he recognizes that uh, that teaching these things, being obedient to their... How, how can we teach people to be obedient to their own husbands as an example? And now tie Ephesians chapter 5 to that uh, where it talks about uh, uh, husbands, love your wives. Uh, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then he gets to the bottom of that whole discussion. He says, I speak a great mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Uh, so uh, as a church, uh, we're called the bride of Christ. And so we're to be obedient to our husband. And, and the same example follows forth uh, then in uh, husbands and wives in this world. So I'm, uh, enough said about all that. We, that's a whole other subject. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Uh, and here's where I was going with, it, with seeing that phrase. Uh, you know, you got to say, if we, follow, if we as God's people really follow out and do what God's word says... We look different. We look different in this world that, we, that we're living in. And, and they would have really looked different on the Isle of Crete back in the first century. 
uh, to see how uh, the men and the women would act, would have acted toward one another and how they would have trained up the children. It would have been a vast difference. And he says, this is so that the word of God is not blasphemed so that people can't look at you and say, ah, oh, yeah, you teach this, but you don't do this. Uh, and so that's, that's how we uh, today, isn't that still true today? Uh, that people say, yeah, you go to church, but, uh, you know, I know what you say and what you do and how you act. That's how we blaspheme the Word of God a lot of times is by, by not living it out. And so he says, uh, teach these things. Why? So that the Word of God's not blasphemed among the, among the community, among those that are around you. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Uh, in other words, if you, were, if, you, uh, if you think about this, uh, the pattern is what you make the, the, real, the other, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess uh, it's like the, like the die that you're casting something. It's not the real thing, but it is the pattern that looks like the real thing. And so uh, if we're thinking about that, he says, tells us to be a pattern of good works. Why? We're to be the pattern for the next people and for the next people and for somebody else. And, you know, if you, if you want the real thing to turn out right, the pattern's got to be right. Okay? So he says, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part... What's the contrary part? Those that don't believe like you believe, and those that are totally stand against that kind of, that kind of moral living and the Christian, Christian living that we have. It says, uh, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil to say of you. He's basically saying you might get railed upon for being good, but really they, they can't say a whole lot if you're acting right, doing right, living right. And Titus, I left you to set some things in order. <laughs> things needed to be straightened out. Needed to ordain people that were, had certain qualifications. And here's what you're to teach them. That it begins by straightening out the home, the family. And by you, Titus, as well as others then being a good pattern for other people. All right. That, uh, that, they might, that those that are of the contrary part, those that are standing against everything we believe in might not, at least they won't have anything evil to say of you. I mean, they can't go around condemning you because they might condemn you for something good, but they can't condemn you, condemn you for being evil in what you're doing because you're not doing that. You're setting the right pattern. Now then, so exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters, to please them well in all things, not answering again. Uh, interesting little phrase, not answering again. Uh, to me, you know, uh, always, I, I probably wondered this growing up. So parents, write it, write it down. You ought to write down uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 9. I, to, I know it's talking about masters and servants, uh, but uh, it really works well considering that parents are in charge of the home. And when you tell, the, tell your children something, what you want is them not answering again. Right? We call it back talk. <laughs> and, and, and when I was growing up, don't you know? Don't back talk and don't sass me. You know. Well, Paul's so much nicer than me. You know. He says, "Don't answer again." When exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters, to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. That purloining means don't steal from them. 
In other words, basically what the word purloining means is don't, don't be taking from them the things that are theirs. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity or honesty uh, that, they, that, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. That, it, that how you walk, how you talk, how you act, how you raise your family, uh, how you conduct yourself, uh, even as a servant, he says, don't, don't take things, be honest, uh, so that what you do adorns the doctrine of our Savior in everything you do. All right. For the grace of God. Boy, I just, see, I got back to this, and I've got about two hours left, so y'all just hang in there. Uh, <coughs> uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Uh, first of all, let us note here that the grace of God doesn't offer salvation. Uh, the gospel message is not offering salvation. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Ah, oh, Brother Charles, there I know. I knew it was going, we were going to find it. It's about all men. Uh, well, let's turn over, and, and I don't have it just a second, but let me just go grab at least one verse if I can find the right thing. Yeah, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Oh, you mean that means i got to go out and try to seek out every single person that ever lived on the face of the earth and, uh, so that I can do... No, that's not what it means. You know, it, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men that we what? Come in contact with, right? That, that, you know, putting that in context, it would be as you meet people, greet people, the all men under consideration are all men that you come across, all men that you meet, all men. So if we think about that kind of thinking, uh, or as uh, Brother Sonny Piles likes to say, is it all men with distinction or all men without exception? Uh, so in this case, it would be all men with distinction, I guess you'd say. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Greek men, Cretan men, uh, old men, young men, uh, wise men, unwise men, uh, Jews, Gentiles, whatever. It's appeared to all types of men teaching us. Uh, so the grace of God that brings salvation, when the laws are written in your hearts and on your minds, teaches you something. Uh, it teaches us what? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust... We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You are, you are changed. The new birth changes you. It changes your heart. It changes your thinking. It changes the way you look at things. Uh, now, uh, is it possible, even with the new birth, for us to become blinded? Well, well yes, we've got to make sure, you know, you've got to keep up with other verses in the Scripture uh, because it says uh, that there are, some people are blinded by the God of this world. Uh, so they didn't say they were dead by the God of this world. They're blinded. Some of us can become blind to the things of God by, because Satan gets a hold of us. Our flesh gets a hold of us. Whatever gets a hold of us. But he says the, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches you something. It does, and it doesn't teach you uh, that I should continue in sin 
that grace may abound, okay? It teaches you that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, when people say or use the example uh, that I've, I'm, do, I'm in this kind of sin and I've prayed about it and I, you know, and I just feel good that it's okay to continue in it, the answer didn't come from God because the grace of God that brings salvation to you teaches you that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly now. Not a hundred years from now, not next week, not when I get to be 21 and when I get to be 24 and I get over being young and wild and stupid. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't teach you that. It teaches that now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. Now is the time. Now is when God has done something for me. Let me go out and live soberly, righteously, and godly now. It doesn't teach you to do it later. I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to put this off a while. No, it teaches you now. Uh, it teaches you that if God has touched your heart and you haven't been baptized, you haven't come down and joined, it teaches you to come do it now. It doesn't say wait till later. Live, live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. You say, well, Brother Charles, that's hard. I know it's hard. I, I'm not standing up here telling you that, that uh, all this is just easy. But I'm telling you that if you'll, if you'll look unto Jesus, because he gives you the answer. He tells you where to look. He doesn't say look out here to your solutions in the world and you're going to find an answer to all your problems. He didn't say turn into channel 196 and listen to Dr. Phil. I mean, you know, whatever. He didn't say that that's how you're going to solve your problems. He says the grace of God teaches you something in your heart. And here's what it teaches you. It teaches you that we're to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. You say, well, what's world? Do I have to, tell, do I have to go through the list for you? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it tell, the, the things that your, your flesh desires, worldly lust, uh, that we're to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, and we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. The way you're able to overcome in this life is by looking to Jesus. He tells us, if we turn over to Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12, uh, Paul writing to the Hebrew brethren there after he's gone through chapter 11 and talked about all this great men of faith that live there. And, and basically what he acknowledges, all those men of faith, You'll find people like David. You'll find people like Moses. You'll find others in there. And you know what? If you go back and study the Old Testament scriptures about those men, they had, they had problems. They were not perfect men. But you know how they did what they did? By faith looking unto, looking unto God. By faith looking unto Christ. So as he, after he gets through all of this, and you know what the, I think the best thing for me and you today is? Here's a, here's a, those men looked unto God not having the word of God that told them of salvation, the resurrection, and what God had done. Me and you've got that. We've got the word of God that tells us Jesus Christ triumphed, triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. We've got that. So now we know we, have, we should have more assurance than the people of the Old Testament ever had that 
that when this world is over, when my personal life is over, whatever, you know, my, you know, and, and I recognize that, uh, I, you know, I, I'm talking about hope, but at the same time, this hope is not a wish. Uh, it's an earnest expectation based on a risen Savior, okay? That's what it's, that's what it's based on. And so uh, when, when we're living here today, I, I know a lot of our brethren in, in years gone by, they used to say things like this, and, and I'm not doubting their sincerity and their love of God. It was just the, uh, it was a humble way of trying to express themselves. And they would say, you know, we don't know. You know, so, so when you'd ask them about their salvation, they said, I have a sweet hope. Well, I do have a sweet hope, but that sweet hope's name is Jesus Christ, okay? And, and so, and, and I know this. I know the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 3 that we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. So we do have evidence in this life. If, if sitting here and enjoying a gospel message... If that's not evidence to you that you're a child of God, I want to tell you today, it's evidence that you're a child of God, okay? If you had never heard that before, when you enjoy hearing the gospel message, you love hearing the sweet story of Jesus, you, even, you can even rejoice in the rebuke of saying, you know what, we need to be doing some things better. When you can rejoice in that, I'm going to tell you, you are a child of God. So, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Paul says it over here teaching, teaching us that denying ungodliness worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We, we, are, we are able to overcome our flesh, this world, Satan. And you know what I heard yesterday? And I, 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 not just because I heard it yesterday, but you know I love, I love sometimes to hear a minister that maybe expresses a thought that maybe I hadn't ever quite thought of before. And, and, and uh, yesterday, Elder Heath Williams, who filled in for me back several weeks ago sometime uh, here, uh, Brother Heath made this comment. Uh, he made this comment that it's going to be hard for us to really, uh, and I'm going to use the phrase that I'm using here, looking unto Jesus. It's going to be really hard to get to the point where we're relying on Him when we don't have a right view of ourselves. And, and, he, and, he, and he used that portion of Scripture over in Romans chapter 12. Uh, where he was talking about, you know, that, uh, uh, and I can't quote it, so I got, now I've got to turn and read it real quick. Romans 12 verse 3. Uh, he says this. He says, For I say through the grace of God given me to every man among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, uh, but, to, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we've got to have a right view of our sinfulness before we're really going to recognize I need to look to Jesus. I need help from God. <laughs> you know, uh, when, you, when you've got certain problems and you have to just get, you know, confess and say, you know what, I can't do this. <laughs> i got to look to God. And that's what Paul is, t is telling uh, Titus here, that we can do these things looking for that blessed hope because that blessed hope is not just the second coming, that's the daily coming of God in our lives for help, support, and, and strength for all that we stand in need of. Who gave, looking for that blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us 
from all iniquity. Now there is without exception. <laughs> that, is, that is all without exception from all iniquity and purifying to himself a peculiar people. That word peculiar there, if you look it up, just means a particular people, a chosen people. A peculiar people that are to be what? Zealous of good works. That means we ought to be on fire for serving God. Uh, sorry I got so close to 12 and everything, but uh, I hope you, maybe you've enjoyed some of this. We've got, uh, we've got uh, we'll sing a verse of, of, of song, and if there's somebody here that would uh, like to join the church, come forward, and we have our business meeting this, this week, so since I was gone last week. So, anyway.